recorded Welcome live. Welcome to the John and Paul radio show, brought to you by AdventuresInMinistry.com, where you can find all the resources, the devotional songbook, and the free app. Over 30,000 people have uh, downloaded that, so join that group. Uh, and with you now, and with, with you as always, with me as always, is John Podine. John, how's your day? I'm doing well, Paul. We are. We have finally reached the end of the semester. Woohoo! We have finals next week. Are you excited about that? I'm very excited. I'm very excited. Uh, well, we are. We are too. Uh, got a Christmas party after this. Our, our holiday party that we do here on campus for faculty and staff. But uh, good day. Uh, we got cold weather. Thank the Lord for some rain. Um, we're 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 just happy that we got some rain through all of this. Um, I hope everybody's having a good day. We also, as we start here, we do want to remember all of uh, the people who are affected by the fires in Tennessee and North Georgia and North Carolina and all those areas up in there. And uh, we're just glad that they got some rain to be able to uh, go after them a little bit and uh, hopefully um, just just a crazy situation up in Gatlinburg, especially uh, of all the things that were taking place. And so, uh, uh, you know, that's a place where we like to go every year. Um, for CYC, and so definitely want to think about all those people up in that area. Most definitely. Um, thoughts and prayers going towards them. Uh, and I want to say thank you to everyone who is on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram that's, that's promoting and pushing what we can do to help them. Uh, it's incredible the outpouring of help that's already been sent, especially from its own community. Yeah. Uh, they're resilient, uh, and, um, and uh, Gatlinburg will stand again. Um, and um, so that that is a great thing. Um, what are what other things are going on in the world today, John? That we need to, uh, well, we need to probably make make everybody aware of. You know, there um, as you can see in front of us here, there's going to be a couple of games going on this weekend. We'll get to that at the end of uh, at the second half of our our show here. Um, we do are coming down to the last what three days, four days of uh, registration for exposure. So if you have not registered for exposure, please go ahead and get that in three days. Three days. Three days left. Monday. That's it. But Monday. Monday at what? What time? Midnight. Midnight. Midnight at one. You're uh, too late. Please, uh, can I say this? Please don't call me uh, on Tuesday and say can I register. Please don't. Uh, registration has <laughs> been open for like what four months. So so please take care of business. Um, you know we have worship Sunday morning, Sunday night. You have a lot of time in between to get all those final numbers in, and it is important to tr- really, really, really get that in. Uh, we're at our number from last year, but let's see what we can do to get a little more than that. I think that would be a great great goal. I, I think so. I think that would be great. And um, if you don't know much about it, we are going to try, while we're at Exposure this year, we are going to try to Facebook Live this. Um, we're going to try to kind of see um, if we can get this to work a little bit and try that out. So uh, uh, you'll be able to follow us along. We may even get a John and Paul show a couple of days while we're out there. Be awesome. Yeah. I'm not sure we'll be having all of this. <laughs> There'll be some updates. There'll be some, There'll be some ball games and some, some things going yeah. on and some updates for exposure. As well. Yeah, definitely. So um, please be watching for all of that. And uh, we definitely would like for you to get this, uh, get all of that in. Uh, but Paul, um, you know, we've, we've been talking about this. We're excited. We do want you to know um, we are trying to do this. We are going through TalkShoe right now. If you're listening on TalkShoe um, or if you're watching this on Facebook Live, um, we want to have a lot of interaction. This is our first time we're trying to do this. If you're interested in calling into the show and talking about what we're going to talk about in, in just a few moments, um, you, the phone number is 724 724- 444-7444. The caller ID is 113940-POUND. And um, 
it's going to be kind of hard. We're trying to figure out how we're going to do this the best way. If you have an account with TalkShoe, we'd love for you to go ahead, and then we can kind of see who you are. If not, if you know us, uh, we'd like for you to go ahead and uh, text us or send us a message somehow uh, so we know that you're there calling in, and we'll love to bring you in and ask some questions. And we're trying to make this a little more interactive, but try to keep it in an hour is what we're trying to do. We have a guest today with us. Dale Jenkins is going to be joining us here in just a few moments uh, to talk about our topic for today. And when John said that we're here for an hour, uh, that is the show. That is not your time for your comments. So uh, <laughs> please, if you have a question, uh, the, the best thing is probably to log in on Talk to You. It's free. It is free. It's a free account, and you, you always have opportunity to, to figure out some podcasting, podcasting the way of the future. But now we're podcasting radio. We're talking, but now you see our face. And yes. I'm, i got a face for, for radio. But, but we're going to see how this works and see how it goes. So when you call in, please remember, let's keep it down to a couple minutes, ask your question, make your comments. And that goes for both the topic this morning at the first part and even some of the football talk there at the end. Oh, very much, and some of the things that we're going to talk about. So uh, as you can know, I, I know we're, uh, some of you are talking in already saying, you know, some of the Internet's freezing a little bit. Um, Okay, good. Facebook Live has seemed to be going with. We're still, we're still working the bugs out, so please bear with us in all of this, and uh, we'd love to have this interaction um, because there's a lot of people who are listening, Paul, from all over the United States, more than just Alabama and Tennessee and Georgia, more than just the southeast. we got them all over, and so uh, we're excited about this, and uh, just, just grow with us as, as we're trying to work through all of this um, technology stuff. Um, but I think uh, what we – we're talk, going to talk about if you've never listened to our show and never joined in, we usually do our first half of our show is dealing with some ministry aspect, something about um, how it can relate to us, because a lot of people who listen to our show are youth ministers and ministers and who are involved in the Lord's work somewhere around um, the kingdom. And so if you've never listened to us before, what are you laughing at, Paul? Nothing. You go ahead. You You're laughing at me. I don't awesome. really know what to say with all this. Really, man, you, you got this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep going. And so then the second half, we usually talk about college football. And now I have this. this if we don't laugh on this show. <laughs> it's not a show. There's always something. Where's your water? Let's talk about um, Bo Jackson and his lively week stuff. Uh, that, that was a good thing. That was a good thing last week. <laughs> There's always something. There's always something going on. And, and honestly, it's usually something no one else knows about, but it, it's so funny. But, um, but anyway, I'm going to jump in here and say a few things, if you don't mind. Um, Basically, this started with our predictions of, of coaching the coaching carousel. Hey, Let me say this: on the middle of November, November fifteenth, we we said we talked about how that um, uh, what, what uh, Ed Ogeron had that that job at LSU if Jimbo Turned and Tom said no, yeah, and Tom Herman, and they both said no. Um, incidentally, Herman apparently had a uh, had a uh, a calendar a calendar had a uh, a contract in hand <laughs> thirty days ago. So, so we knew he was going to Texas. We said he would go be going to Texas, and he did. Yeah. And so that kind of opened things up for even more stuff. And we thought, you know, a few weeks ago we had another show about the um, what the, the 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 playoff committee looks at, also what people look at in joining a congregation about the the eye test and um, and strength of schedule and, and things like that. Well, we thought let's continue with that theme and have a discussion that relates to ministry and to football. And so, as we know, we're going to talk about some. Uh, Coaching carousel stuff. We are. We are going to be talking about some coaching carousel things here in a minute. But, but we did think, kind of think about it. You know, in the, in the college football world, when you saw um, Les Miles get fired, that was kind of the first mm -hmm. pin to drop. That was the first thing to go. And then you started this 
this cycle of everything. And once one pin dropped, then you had another, then you had another. Now you have it all picked up. And that's kind of usually what happens every year at the end of uh, the football season. You, you have somebody getting let go, then you have uh, coordinators, you got coaches switching jobs. And, and we kind of thought, Paul, that's kind of what happens in ministry a lot. It is. It yeah, is. One person gets another job at a church somewhere, or uh, they decide to get out of ministry and they're leaving, and that opens up a hole, and then it starts almost kind of what you see here. It starts the cycle. Carousel. It does start, and it's a ministry carousel that takes place, and um, you, you kind of have all these weird things that start taking, and you kind of even have a bidding war mm -hmm. for, for ministers and youth ministers alike and, and things um, in there. So, um we we have somebody we're going to be bringing on here, uh, Dale Jenkins, in just a moment. And who knows more about that than Dale Jenkins? Dale Jenkins is like the agent, He's our agent. for for ministers around the country of, of trying to find jobs. He does, if you've never paid attention to his Scoops blog that they put out on the Jenkins Institute. Um, it's highly entertaining. highly entertaining with all of that. Uh, but it's always, I know a lot of people always go to it to look for it. Oh, yeah. Look for jobs. It's fun. You never know, never know what, what all is going to come up next. And, um, and we at this time are going to bring in Dale Jenkins, who is the, the minister in, in Spring Hill, Tennessee, at the Spring Meadows Congregation. And uh, he and his brother Jeff, uh, who run the Jenkins Institute, do many, many things for ministers across the world. Uh, and enhancing and helping them and benefiting them and enriching their lives. So, Dale, welcome to the show. So what you're saying is I'm the Jimmy Sexton of preachers. Exactly. <laughs> yes. You are the Jimmy, Jimmy Sexton of preachers. Uh, you know, Minus the paycheck, of course. Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah, sorry. The, the last several $10 million contracts I've negotiated have worked, turned out really, really well. So, <laughs> Thanks awesome. for letting me be with you today. We can't think of anybody else but rather when in talking about this. Absolutely. Um, before we get into the whole the, the preaching aspect of this, let's talk about the coaching carousel just for a second and get it going. We know about LSU and Ed Ogeron. We knew what was going to happen with that. Tom Herman's now at Texas. Houston is open. We know some names are being thrown that direction. Lane Kiffin and Les Miles and things like that. Also with with, uh, with Oregon as well. What is the biggest surprise that you've seen so far, and what's the one thing you look forward to the most when it comes to the coaching carousel? My biggest surprise is that Ed, or Ed Orgeron has a college degree. <laughs> it makes you wonder because every time you hear him talk, it is like uh, that guy. It sounds like he's that is, that, his is the most, that is the most natural fit for a coaching and and school that has ever existed. And that's not a criticism. They just go together. That's the kind of guy you think should be coaching at LSU. And you know when you talk about preaching and churches. I think about that, and y'all y'all made the reference, and I do. I make this reference all the time. I, I see that regularly. That uh, that you know sometimes there's a good man that's just not a fit, and then every once in a while there's this guy, and you think that is the perfect fit for that church. Mm -hmm. now, he's a Cajun. I mean, <laughs> he, he loves football, and he motivates that team. And every time he's on screen, he's always about go Tigers and this and that. And he's just he he, he did what he needed to do. I think, um, to get that job. And, and uh, what's the one thing you look forward to the most? What's next? I mean, I think we all know that Lane Kiffin's gone. The question is, where is he going to go? What's your thoughts on that? Well, what I, what I want to see is, here's, here's, I've, got, I've got two ideas that I want to see happen, okay? I want to see Notre Dame let their coach go, and then I want them to hire Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer has in his contract only one school 
that there's no buyout if he goes to it, and that's Notre Dame. That it's his dream job. Hmm. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? You know what? I'm not going to lie. That would make make my heart feel good that if he spurred Ohio State like he did Florida. That'd be funny. That'd be funny. <laughs> I don't see Brian Kelly leaving. Well, if he'd fired from Notre Dame. He would have that night and would have retired that, that later on. True. Just play Bama again. Let's see what happens. I'm just kidding. Yeah, and, and and Dale, you know, it's funny. Somebody asked us a question in, in, in the uh, Facebook uh, chat room in here. Uh, who's the Nick Saban of ministry? <laughs> you know, but you have all these preachers that are going out and, and, and um, um, you know, when one person gets a job, it kind of starts this carousel going through. And, and what you offer through the Scoops blog, you know, of knowing where all the churches are at and, and these places that are open. Um, what, what are some of the things that you see um, the parallel between what you see in the coaching world and how it works in the ministry world? Well, there's there's some parallels. Uh, the pressure, the expectations, the 24-hour cycle, the, you know, when things lose, when, when you lose, you lose, and those sorts of things. But but there, there are some major differences as well, and that's, you know, that's where we don't need to forget it because it's so easy to spot the similarities. But some of the major differences are, we're dealing with things eternal. You know, we're not dealing – I mean, it's a, the scoop blog's a fun game to play, but it's not just a game. It's, it's, it's reality. This is people's lives, and we're not dealing with just, you know, do you win on a Saturday. We're dealing with, you know, the people we're dealing with that we leave or that the guy's fight been fired. What does this do to his children and what does this do to his future and, and you know, heaven and hell? Uh, I mean, Urban Meyer – Let's say uh, uh, Les Miles may get fired at LSU, but his kids aren't going to go to hell because he got fired at LSU. His kids aren't going to go to the Lord because, you know, the elders fired him. Or how he handled that firing is not going to affect that in that that same way. And when we start talking about what guy should go to what church, well, you know, guy may go, you know, Ed Ogeron, I, I predict he'll be at LSU for three years. That's just my prediction. I don't think he'll last. Uh, I know some insider stuff about him. He's a, he's a jerk. Uh, his his language, he is, I was told by a friend of mine that's the head coach, that he is the most foul-mouthed person he's ever met in his life. I think he'll last about three years and he'll be gone. Well, all right, that's fine. They win or lose on Saturday, big deal. But if a guy goes to a church and it doesn't work out, then there are souls at stake. So I, I just think that's the whole the, – the differences are really, really important for us to remember as well. Well, there's a lot of different um, uh, positions that a person in ministry would hold, whether it be pulpit, youth, family, outreach, involvement, education, you know, and, and it is about finding the perfect fit for the perfect person. That, that's not easy to do, and I think that's why we see all the transitions that happen in ministry a lot. What can a guy do to try to find that place? Uh, I know it sounds like the dream job scenario. What can a guy do to assert himself to, to be flexible, to be able to have some staying power? Uh, at well, a let's, do, let's do some things with this, Paul. That's a really great question, and, and all sorts of things are neurons are popping in my mind of what I can say about that. And let me first address, you were talking about who's the Nick Saban of preaching. Well, our friend uh, David Light, uh, 
uh, on a podcast that I did several years ago said something that blew my mind and that I knew to be true, but he said it in such a way that it really made an impact on me. He said, you know, we talk about guys on lectureship programs and guys who are well-known, and he said the truth is the best preacher in our brotherhood may be that guy that preaches that little church in Pennsylvania that nobody's heard about, and it's this great church and these great people, but, but it's a little bitty church, and it's, nobody's ever heard of it, but God knows them and he's making an impact in God's kingdom. And there may be 20 people, but those 20 people are close to the Lord and growing in the Lord, and that is a great preacher. And so that's important, I think, for us to remember. Now, here's an interesting thing when it comes to churches. I'm going to use an illustration here. Several years ago, there was a young man who was starting in youth ministry. He ended up being, in my opinion, one of the better youth ministers that I've ever seen in my life more effective in reaching souls, more effective in growing his program than most anyone I've ever seen. He went to work while he was still in college with this little church, about 100 members. Their youth group tripled in a year. About a year and a half later, he moved. And since he moved about 10 years ago, that church has been through six youth ministers. And that church, and this is not a criticism, that church hired an A-list youth minister, and now for the last 10 years, they've been chasing an A-list youth minister. They can't afford an A-list youth minister. They can't pay one. They can't support one, and A-list youth minister is not going to go there. They need a C-list or a B-list best youth minister. They need a guy that can work with them and stay with them and affect them for a long time, but they're chasing that guy that says a guy. And I know a lot of churches do that with preachers. And I know this one church not long ago that fired their preacher. And I called them. I said, what were you all thinking? They said, well, we weren't pleased with them. I said, do you think you can do better? And they said, well, we don't know if we can or not. Well, sometimes that's the best question to ask. Can we hire somebody better than this guy? He may not be everything we want, but he's, you're probably not everything he wants. So, you know, try to find the guy that matches with you and that can help you for a long term or for a short, short term if there's specific things need to be done. Ask as leaders what are the needs of this church and how can we help it. Dale, what have what has you have you seen in these this um over the years? because um, one thing that's always talked about in the college football world is the bidding war of things like that. Uh, take place and, and we understand how that works in, in capitalism and in a free society but uh, what are what are the dangers of that happening though when you're talking about looking for jobs and people looking for preachers oh i mean john it doesn't exist uh, I, i've never seen that i have never seen in 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 you know 30 years of doing this in you know 15 years now of doing the, the scoop blog i have never seen a church and a, a preacher get in a bidding war uh, it just, you know, it just really doesn't happen. I mean, I, I've heard of preachers who've gotten a small raise sometimes because another church was wanting to get them, but that's mm-hmm. even a very, very rare thing. Uh, and the the, in, the more interesting thing to me is that there is no metric out there. I mean, I, I've tried, and Paul, you know this, I've tried to make metrics, mm-hmm. all right? I like to say, all right, and, and the Methodist Church, and we're not we're not a denomination, we don't need to be one, but the Methodist Church in their denominational hierarchy has this huge chart. And so, Paul, you're uh, how old are you? Paul, fifty, forty-five, forty-five years. I am old? not. I am not fifty. 
45. Am I really telling everybody the world how old I am right now? Oh, you are. I will say this, <laughs> that, that Paul is older than I am. Okay. Well, okay. Let's I'm in my 40s. early to mid mid 40s. Okay, let's say you're 40 years old. I don't care how old you are, Paul. Let's say that. Let's say that. You act like you're 20, and I like that. So, thank you. So you're 40 years old. You're 40 (laughs) years old. You have two children. You're married. You have a degree. You have a master's degree. You've been in ministry for 20 years. You work for a church of 600 members, and they would have this chart, and you would you just go down the chart. Okay, he's married. There's this chart, and and he he's got two kids, so it goes here. And he's been in ministry 20 years. He goes here, and and then you'd say, all right, he's going to make X number of dollars a year because that is his metric. If you had three kids, that metric would be different. You have one kid, that metric. If you didn't have a master's degree, that metric. They have this huge metric, and and it's fair to a guy. And so if you move next week to another church, by and large, you would make the same thing you're making now, maybe a little more, a little less, depending on the size of the church, or the fact that your metric changed because. Now you've had experience with another congregation for a certain period of time. But, but right. that metric, that does not exist in our brotherhood. You can have two churches within a mile of each other. One pay their preacher $60,000 a year. Another one pay their preacher $90,000 a year. And the preacher's between. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just that, there's no metric out there. And, uh, I, I, you know, and people ask me, what, is it, what does youth minister make? Well, uh, in the state of Alabama, North Alabama, uh, you know, married, no experience, or single, no experience, 30,000 a year. Married, a little bit of experience, maybe 40,000 a year. But you go to Cookville, Tennessee, or no, let's say, let's change that. You go to Nashville, Tennessee, and he's he's married and got a couple of years experience, and suddenly it's $50,000 a year. But but you go to two churches in Nashville, and you got the same guy, and one of them pays him 30000 a year, and one of them pays him 50000 a year. Again, sorry, you asked the question, John, I, there's, there is no metric. No, I think it's very good to answer back. Dan, let me ask you this, and I'm speaking on behalf of my students here at Faulkner who are fixing to get into the, the ministry field as youth ministers. It has been a few years since I've started in ministry. So let me ask this. What is a good uh, what is a, a good youth minister, a graduate from a Christian school with a four-year degree, what sort of salary can they hope to gain once they get in, into the into into the work there. I, I realize it's different. The answer is probably going to be, well, that depends on what size congregation. I get that. What are they sort of going for these days? Uh, Paul, I'd say between forty and fifty thousand. Okay. I'd say more more reasonably forty thousand. But but yeah. So again, let's say a church like Buford, Georgia, which is a a good church in all my in my estimation, everything. And I hate to throw in the mm-hmm. church name out there. But they've had two guys or three guys in the last 10 years that have all been very good and successful in youth ministry and done a good job for them. If that job opened next week and they hired a guy that was 25 years old, they may pay him 60000 a year. Why? Well, their budget is 70000 or 80000 I don't know what it is. I'm just throwing that number out there. Right. Sure. It's not going to drop down substantially. But, again, most guys just get out of school. I'd say 40000 would be a good metric to say, all right, 40, and let's work from there. But, Paul, I think the more important thing for youth ministers or preachers is that we learn to talk openly and honestly and as maturely as possible as we can with those who are leading us. And and if you don't mind me tossing another thing in here that I think is really, really important, I think you should have an agent. And I know that sounds really weird, and I'm happy to offer my services to anybody out there. You are my agent, Dale. 
But I think you should have somebody that that could sit across the table from your elders and 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 they could ask you that guy things that you're not comfortable saying, and he could say some things to them that you can't say, and that they can say to him that they wouldn't say to you, and right. help help you as well. And for instance, here's my question: uh, You got this guy, he's twenty two years old, he's graduating from Falk University, he's got a degree in youth ministry and, and Bible, he's getting married in six months, and he's trying to get a job. He's never talked about money before. If he makes 30000 a year, he's making more money than he's ever made in his life. So, but, but here's my question for, for this eldership. If this was your son, no, let's not do that. If this was your daughter-in-law, and this is her husband that you're hiring, what would you want to pay her? What would you want to pay your son, your son-in-law, or your daughter-in-law? I got a, a little bunch. convoluted question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a while, I want to be okay. Let's say, let's say Laney in 10 years, let's, 15 years, 20, 30 oh, years, okay. Paul, okay? Laney in 30 years finally gets married, okay? Because mm, you had letter okay. date for 30. So in 30 years, she finally gets married. Right? She finally gets married. To my world, Paul. I know, right? Oh, that's another podcast that I've done. And she marries a youth minister. And you're an elder in a church, and you hear what the church that he's going to work for is paying. And you say, wait a minute, that's my daughter. That's, a, right. that's my grandkids yeah. now. That, that, Everything changes. Of, it does. And so the question, you can't ask that as a youth minister, but a guy who's negotiating for you can ask that question. If this was your daughter-in-law and your son, excuse me, your daughter and your son-in-law that you're hiring, what do you think would be fair? Would you have said if they were making this amount of money? And that changes everything because suddenly I become, oh, this is a person. This is not an employee. This is a person, and I want them to do well, and I want to treat them fairly. I don't want to give them a million dollars. Maybe I do want to give them a million dollars, but I want to treat them fairly. So, Let me ask so you this, Dale. Uh, on that on that subject, kind of what you're talking about, you know, I know you've been asked to help people and help churches find people, and and ministers will call you and and ask for your recommendation and hey, could you talk to somebody about it? You know, in the last few years, there's been this um, now rise kind of within the churches of Christ, especially the um, these minister search firms um, that are going out and help. But what 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 do you think about those? Since I know you kind of help, even though you're not like a firm that does it, but uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? What are some advice that you can give to people listening to this about using those? Cause I think it kind of fits in with what you're talking about a little bit of, of having somebody kind of fight for you. Okay. I think they're wonderful and I think they're awful. Um, mm-hmm. but, but, but if they're effective, good. And, and I know I'm talking both sides of my mouth there, but, it's like search committees. I hate search committees because <laughs> when they hire you, and so you're hired by a search committee, if you don't do a good job, that search committee is not going to fire you. The elders are going to fire you. If you need to be disciplined, that search committee is not going to discipline. That el- those elders are. When you go for your meeting, your annual review, you're not going to sit in front of that search committee. You're going to sit in front of the elders. I think the elders, the elders want to get some help and ask for some input and everything. Great, wonderful. I'm very happy about it. But <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I just don't think that that's a, a – I, I, I don't think that's the way to go. I, th- I think the elders should, should do the hiring. I feel the same way about these search firms. They're a business 
getting money for a service that they're offering, not sinful, but they don't know the emotion and the 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 uh, the person as well sometimes. Uh, but but I do know some of them, and some of them I've seen. I've been pleased with what they're doing and everything. I just uh, what I'd like to see is five years from now. I'd like to see their track record. Right. That's what mm-hmm. I'd like to see because uh, I've been doing this for you know for twenty years now, uh, and 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 you know I, I I've I've made in twenty years I've made a hundred and forty dollars doing this. I got a forty dollar gift certificate to Applebee's one time. And got a hundred dollars check one time for my eldership. So I've made a hundred and forty dollars doing this in twenty years. <laughs> That's I don't funny. Do it for money. I thought about doing it for money, but uh, I'm in trouble if I do that. You can take ten percent of the first salary they get. I'm gonna well, ask you the tough I question. Actually, here, one time put together a metric and what I said is, you know, pay me three months pay me three months salary of the guy. Because you're probably taking three or four months finding a guy. So just pay me that salary. Uh, and that that but but I'm not gonna do that. I, well, let me, Bill, let me stop you for a minute and ask you this question. It's a tough one. I know you get a phone call all the time about guys looking for jobs and say, will you be my reference? Will you do this for me? Will you do that for me? Um, what do you do in the case of someone, because we get those same phone calls here a lot here at school, and I'm sure they do at other, other Christian schools as well. What do you do when somebody calls you and you really can't refer them? <laughs> because you know uh, their track record. You know they're going to be at, in ministry for 18 months uh, every time they go somewhere. Uh, how do you respond to that? How do you um, – how do you leave a lot of encouragement for those? Uh, well, there's that several things. Off. That's a great question, Paul, because I've been in that place several hey, times. John. You're right. One thing I think you do is you, uh, if, if you're if you're smart and you're the guy making the phone call, I always say, what would you want me to ask that would help me understand this guy? And uh, but what I oftentimes say, I'll, I'll give you for instance, not long ago I got a phone call from a from a church about an individual and I said you know the guy's moved uh, pretty often and I know him pretty well he's a really really good guy and he is he's a really good guy and I hope that every time he's moved it's been because of some external force that had nothing to do with him I'm not going to discourage you from hiring him but if I was looking at him, I would ask him about that and why he's moved, and I would ask a couple of the churches why that's happened. So instead of me just saying, I don't think you should hire a guy, I kind of turn the question back to them and say, you know, uh, this guy, it seems like every time I've talked to him, he's, he's not, he feels like he's not being paid enough. Uh, I, I'd, I'd want to know if I was hiring him what he thinks about money and how right. he deals with so that way you're not just saying don't hire the guy because, I mean, I don't know people that put me down as a reference that I don't love, but just because mm-hmm. I love them doesn't mean I think they should work for X church. They may should work for another church. Uh, we hire above, we hire beyond our level of competence a lot of times in the church. And uh, I got offered a job a few years ago for a church of about 1,500 members. And I remember part of my thinking in the process was, I don't know that I could work for a church of 1,500 members. I like to love people. I like to know people. I want to be close to those people. And I don't think I can be close to 1,500 people. And I I, I don't want to be hired above my level of ability to do this job. And I think sometimes in, in, in churches, 
in preachers' minds, we're always thinking, I want bigger and better and more. Not necessarily. Sometimes I might need to say, you know, I don't think I can preach for a church of 400 members. I think I can do well doing youth ministry for a church of 200 members. And yes, I can make more money in a church of 400 members, but this isn't about money. If, if I'm, I mean, it's fair. You, you need to treat your family right, and you need to uh, you need to be a fair breadwinner for your family. I, I believe in all that. But the other side of it is, this is about more than just can I make more money at this church? I'm making at this church. Uh, sometimes about satisfaction. Sometimes about where my family is going to be healthy spiritually, and sometimes about where I can do ministry most effectively. And incidentally, our friend Jerry Elder said the number I gave of 40000 is a low figure because of student loans and insurance, and I hadn't thought about that. But that's something we're going to have to start calculating into when we talk to guys. Uh, you might, let me throw one other thing here since Jerry's mentioned that on student loans because I think it's pretty vital. If you could get your church to agree to, after you've been with them for five years or ten years or seven years, whatever that number is, would you consider paying my student loan off? You talk about taking pressure off a person, that's huge. That's good. Uh, Dale, if you don't mind, while we have you here, um, we have another uh, guest we'd like to bring online uh, to give give some thoughts here. Uh, Brother Cecil May, how are you today, sir? Doing well. How are you guys? Good, good. Good to have you with us. Thank you. Uh, tell me what's going on in your life right now. What, what do you think about this discussion we're talking about, about, about the transitions and, and such? I, th- I think it's interesting. Um, I don't know how many people out there know. My, my, I'm not in ministry myself, but my dad and my grandfather both are. Um, my grandfather more on the education side, but my dad's been at the same same church for about 20 years, 20 years plus now. Um, but I just think it's an interesting conversation. Um, you know, growing up with a with a dad that kind of moved around and knowing what some of his reasons were, and uh, and, and this conversation, you know, staying with the church and how you how you do, you know, raises and 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 that kind of thing with preachers. So. I guess I, I was just kind of curious to hear your guys' opinion on, you know, I heard I heard of metrics that you give for preachers, you know, based on, you know, maybe the Methodist hierarchy where they have, you know, how many family members you have, how many years of experience and that kind of stuff. But I was wondering if you guys have ever heard of or know of any churches that do anything like, um, you know, actually keep real metrics. Um, like I, I'm in the engineering and, and uh, manufacturing industry, and we hold all, all of our guys to – metrics you know such as um you know on time delivery and and how long it takes to build things and that kind of stuff so you know do you, is there any churches out there keeping track of membership increases um uh, things like uh community involvement you know actual metrics that you can put numbers to because ministry is such an intangible um career you know, is there some tangible things you can put on a preacher to say, here's the things that you did last year, we really like them, you know, we're able to give you more money, and we like the things that you're doing, keep doing those things. I can tell you my experience. I've question. seen that. But go ahead, Dale. Do you, you mind if I deal with that some? No, yeah, I was going to do that anyway. Go ahead. Cecil, those are great questions, and I, I appreciate them a great deal, and I appreciate your family so very much as well. Thank you for what y'all have done and what you do, and even though you're not in the – preaching world today. I, I trust that you're in the Lord's kingdom, in the Lord's work, and I'm thankful for that. 
uh, when it comes to to metrics, a uh, couple of things. The first one is our good friend Jerry Barber, and he's a friend of John's and Paul's as well, uh, mm-hmm. has done more on this than I have. But he says that every preacher in negotiations ought to go negotiate an annual cost of living raise. Um, I'm, I'm, you're probably not aware of this. Over 70% of all preachers that I know in our in our group in our survey do not do not receive an annual cost of living raise, and many of them after the third year of ministry with the church they will go for five years without getting a raise, which is atrocious. So what I would encourage churches to do is, our preachers do is, in your talking to them say, you know, as as a teacher, as an engineer, as a professional out there, you get an annual cost of living raise, would you consider putting that in my contract or my written agreement with you? Get in in writing, not because you don't trust them, but because people are human and forget things, and I forget things, so get in in writing. What I've always said, and I haven't asked for a cost of living raise, I should have, but what I've always said is, I'd like to ask you to consider, if you will please, every year to have a discussion about my salary and let me know you've had a discussion about it. If you have that discussion, decide I'm not worried to raise. I don't need a raise. That's your business. You don't have to give me a raise. I'm not holding you hostage here. But I do want to know. So I'm going to ask you every year. I want permission now to ask every. Have you talked about my salary? I just want to know you've talked about it. Now, when it comes to metrics, the problem with that is when we have a friend, and I think John and Paul both know who it is. I won't call his name. But he had written his contract that for every 50 people that their church received as new members, Every time they got 50 new members, he got a $10,000 a year raise. Yeah. That's a pretty good deal. <laughs> I, I'd take that one if they'd give it to me, but that hadn't come across my desk yet. I wish I'd taken that when I came to Spring Meadows. That would have really been nice. But uh, we, I, I, I do think that uh, it's difficult because so many things are beyond your control. How often is it that we go to church and – and that church is a small church of 100 members or 50 members, and, and we think, you know, we're going to set the woods on fire. We're going to the first year they grow 20% or 30%. We're all excited, and then we hit a wall. And then maybe we realize why that church was 50 members or 100 members. They're always going to be 50 or 100 members. And, and it's right. not because of the preacher or the youth minister. It's because of the leadership. And so the problem with setting metrics for us sometimes as preachers or youth ministers is that what happens is not within our control to control. And and then the, on the baptism thing, what a great idea. Wouldn't it be barbed? Every 50 people we baptize, we got a raise. Well, then we're, we're studying with people in order to get a raise rather than because of their soul if we're not careful. And that'd that's be a bad place to put ourselves in. So there's a few things on that, and I, I know it's not all the answers by any means, but it's a few things that, that I thought about just off the top of my head. Go ahead, John. No, I, I think I think that's 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 really great. And Cecil, thanks for calling in and and having um, uh, those questions asked. And I, and I do think I, I, the, the the challenge is there's not one formula. I think what you're saying is Dale, there's not really one formula because you know uh, Mark Butts commented in our Facebook um, um, session in here that you know we're all humans. And elderships are made up of humans. Elderships change. And, and if I could make one last question here to ask in this, because, um, we're, Dale, we're just grateful that you joined us today to be a part of this, is if you could give one bit of advice to leadership that's out there. I know everything we've kind of talked about is on the minister's side. Uh, 
in the coaching world, people don't like it. Some people are just kind of going behind the back door and, you know, next thing you know, somebody's fired. Um, if you could talk to leaders right now, what would be the thing, what could be the one major thing that you would say to them or suggest to them to do if they're looking for, uh, thinking about, or considering uh, making a change in, in their staff? Uh, what would be that one thing that you would say to them uh, as advice in how to go about this? Thank you, John. One thing would be difficult. Uh, first of all, I would say, has there been a change in the eldership in the last 18 mm. months? Uh, if, be, be slow about making changes because if there's been a change in the eldership in the last 18 months, it's possible this is a vendetta or a proposed projective move rather than your move, and so be careful about making that. But but again, what I would say to churches is sit the guy down and say heart to heart with him. We hired you because we wanted you here, and we love you. We're not pleased with your performance, but that doesn't mean we're going to fire you. We want to help you be better. So let's figure out how to get better at this. And so what we want to do is we want you to we want you to have two mentors. We want you to take John and Paul or, or whoever. I mean, we want you to have two mentors, and we want you to go to lunch with them once a month. We'll pay you to go to lunch with them once a month and spend some time with them, and you can buy their lunch and sit down and talk to them about ministry. And we'll bring, we're going to bring them into the eldership. We're going to talk to them about some areas where we think you need to improve. We're going to help you grow. And we're going to send you this year to two conferences, not, not, uh, not lectureships about lectureships, but two conferences that will help you be better at your ministry. And, and we want you to get better because we don't want to have to go through a preacher search. We don't have to go through a preacher change, a youth ministry. We don't want the fallout. We want to figure out how to make this thing work. So let's figure out how to work together. We hired you because we loved you. You know, we talk about it being like a coaching deal. It's almost like a marriage. More, yeah. more almost like a marriage than a church even coaching deal. And when you let that guy go or he moves on, it's like a divorce or a funeral. And that's a whole lot harder than to, to trust again. Why don't you work on building trust in the relationship you're in? That's what you'd encourage a couple to do. Build trust. Let's, let, let's make this relationship better. And so if I could say yeah. one thing to elders, that's what I'd say. Figure out how to make that relationship better. That's awesome. We appreciate that. Um, I think one thing that we need to, um, if, a, if a congregation could understand that you, you look at one man, I, I realize you got a pulpit guy, you pay him a salary, you expect everything to come through him. But as a church, if, John, if everybody does their part, you don't have to worry about putting metrics on a preacher if everybody's doing their part. I realize the 80-20 rule, we see how sure. that is. But sure. if we start working... You know, you're not worried about that anymore. We're not worried about the numbers because it's going to take care of itself. And I know that's something that's kind of seemed to change, and I'm sure, Dale, you've, you've probably seen that a lot um, in your lifetime, uh, especially going back um, from your dad and your uncles and, and you and Jeff and now your sons, of how that's changed over the years of going. Um, this generation seems to have that understanding of everybody's a part of this to work, and it's not just the preacher-only, preacher-run show type of thing. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I, I think there's been some improvement on that, and that's a, a really positive Definitely. that I think we're seeing in the church. Hey, Dale, uh, I know we're going to close this up here, uh, but I do want you, if you don't mind, share with our group where they can go to, to, to find out about the the, um, the, the scoop, scoop blog and everything else that you do. Well, just uh, first of all, just send an email to uh, tji 
at thejenkinsinstitute.com, and uh, we'll add you to our list, and uh, and you'll get more emails than you want. Uh, if you want to just look at scoops, go to thejenkinsinstitute.com, and then click on resources, and then scoops, and it'll take you to the scoop blog and to the events and things that are going on there. That's the best way to get in touch with us. Good deal. I think what we're going to do is, and I, I'm sort of calling a shot on this one, John, I hope you don't mind. Uh, that's fine by me. This next Friday, I think we'll have another show where we'll actually talk about some of those job openings. Sure. Uh, we have some internships. A lot, if you'll go to uh, Faulkner on uh, uh, Facebook, Faulkner University has a, a alumni and students and, and visitors page. Uh, if you'll go there, there's a listing of some internships. We're going to talk about those in detail on Friday and maybe even some other job openings and uh, turn your attention towards that Scoobalt blog as well. Dale, thanks so much for being here. Before we go, let's go ahead and get your, your thoughts right now on, on, on the top four and where we're going with, um, with college football right now. How do you feel about this weekend, and what do you think about your top four? Okay, first of all, top four. four. Uh, Penn State, I'm telling you, guys, isn't this wonderful? <laughs> it is. All those, it's great. All those big Penn fans a couple of years ago that were talking about, oh, it's unfair that Alabama's playing LSU. And they're going to have to eat some crow right now because they they're in a pickle. They got a, a team with Ohio State that's not going to win their conference. No matter what happens, Ohio State will not win their conference. And they awesome. all think that they're going to be in the thing. I know. I see your helmet there. Penn State, I'm telling you. Uh, I, 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 I think Penn State and Ohio State both should be in it. I hate it. But unless Penn State loses, I think Penn State should be in it. But I don't think Ohio State should be out of it because I think they're one of the best teams in the country. So, my so do you think a Penn State play. win? Let's just if a, a Penn State win, big uh, win, pushes Washington out, and they'll jump Michigan, whom beat them by about thirty points. Yeah, but they also win the conference. In Michigan to win the conference. That's true. I mean, you know, if we're going if we're going to do it with the conference, let's do it with the conference. Hmm. Okay, so it, here, it's, it's going to be interesting two. how that plays out. Go ahead, Dale. So, sorry, Alabama. Uh, Clemson, uh, Ohio State, or Penn State, Ohio State, which will put Alabama playing Ohio State in the first round. And, Paul, I hate it because they will beat us. I hate it. Wow. Yeah. You think Ohio State beat Alabama? Yeah. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we, we want you to know right what? now that, that we are having technical difficulties on the other Something's line. Not, this this phone, that cannot be turning. Bang, bang, bang. Right oh, Buy me a new 7 Plus. That's not working too well. <laughs> Did you really say Ohio State beat Alabama? Uh, I, I think that there is a – I think Saban is the greatest coach that's ever coached college football in, in modern history. But I think he has certain coaches that get in his head. And I think one of those coaches is Urban Meyer. I think Meyer gets in his head. What's the record? I know Urban's beaten him twice, but but I, but Saban's beaten him too. Yeah, Urban's beaten him twice. I mean, he's beaten him right? in the Austin. I mean, that's the record. Urban's beaten him twice. Is that it? There's only he's one two four coaches him? that have beaten him twice. Les Miles, uh, Urban Myers. Um, who's the other two? Uh, the Texas A&M coach. I mean, no, the Ole Miss coach, Hugh Freeze. No clue. No clue after that. I'm not an Alabama fan. Hey, <laughs> now uh, we we got a bigger game though, and Paul, I'm I'm big on this. You know, I'm an Alabama fan, but uh, we 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 got to beat Florida first. We do. 
and, um, and, the, they are and there's no reason for to be, points, we, we we be, be part by 28. But <sighs> if you ever start getting overly optimistic, you're dead. Oh, I know. You well, know. you're dead because Saban will kill you. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he will scream in your ear until your ears bleed. I mean, it's that bad. But, uh, yeah, I think um, – I'm How sorry. How Somerville beat Saban? Oh. Oh, what, did he? Was he there when Somerville was there? I don't know. When, when did Tabby leave? I don't think Tabby was there. Auburn fans, when did Tabby leave uh, Auburn? I am not a Bama fan. I'm going to tell you that one. <laughs> yeah, 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 Lewis, I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> Sorry, a lot of hammers on the, uh, uh, on the line today. Um, that's interesting. Uh, uh, Ohio State hasn't put more than, what, 17, 20 points on the board over the past five weeks. And um, and Alabama's defense is pretty pretty strong. Uh, I think Ohio State, I think a lot of teams right now do pose a problem to Alabama. I'm not going to lie. But to outright win, I don't know. Um, to say that he's in the – he gets in his head. I get it. I understand. Urban has he's beat him twice. I get that. But um, that's interesting. All right, Dale. Anything else you want to share? I guess we'll see you Tuesday here on campus. Thank y'all for what y'all do. Thank you for the ventures in ministry, for the John and Paul show, for the good work y'all are doing for the church, and thank you for letting me be with you today. You bet. Thank you, Dale. We'll see you soon. Take care. All right. Be good. Bye. That is Dale Jenkins. Minister at the Spring Meadows Church of Christ up in Spring Hill, Tennessee, and uh, one of the founders of the Jenkins Institute. That's right. So uh, definitely go to that website if you have any questions, and and especially if you're looking for um, uh, just some wonderful material that uh, him and Jeff always put out in the blogs. And and he has a little video show, Ministers in Mocha, that you have to watch. It's pretty cool. I I saw his last one I saw with him, uh, he was in a Corvette. Yeah. I was like, Dale got another car? All of his members at his congregation, they drive awesome cars. That's all it comes out to. But it is always a really awesome conversation. Most definitely. Well, Paul, we uh, I think we had a really, really great show. We went a lot longer. Informative is crazy. Yeah, and so please join us definitely next week as we continue talking about this. But, uh, Paul, what do you think? As we, you know, we do want to kind of touch on the games going on this weekend, um, this last part of our show here that we have. Um, Before we get into that, I'm sorry, I hate to do this. Can okay. I answer a couple of questions that came through Facebook? Oh, sure. Didn't. Uh, Trey Durden said we need to have classes on campus that actually talk about. Um, that's out. Uh, actually, talk about the the financial um, help for ministers. Uh, ironically enough, yesterday in our youth and family ministry class in the local church. Um, we actually had that full hour on that. So uh, there's that little reading here. And also uh, another thing that was mentioned earlier, and I appreciate this, uh, it's Mark Butts. He's sitting here listening. He's actually uh, uh, listening to this and watching with uh, one an elder that he has down in Timberlane. And uh, I thought his elder, uh, I'm grateful that y'all are listening to this, uh, by Definitely. the way. Um, he said this, that church growth can definitely heavily be heavily inspired by a preacher. However, chronic growth stagnation or stagnant or static numbers are in, in an indication of the church, not the preacher. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's kind of what happens, but what, what do we usually go with? Fire the preacher. Rise and fall. Yeah. It's, it's one or the other. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like the head coach. And, yeah. It is, yeah. I absolutely agree with him. Absolutely yeah. agree with what he's saying. Absolutely. Um, so that's thank true. you. Thank you so much for, for everybody joining us and being a part of this discussion yeah, definitely. that we've had. And, and, and just know this, um, especially to the Timberline congregation, we have some guys graduating this year, mm-hmm. some really, really sharp guys ready to get into ministry, and, and anyone else who's looking, 
so this week we'll talk about some guys that are available. Mm-hmm. We'll also talk about some jobs that will be available to, to sure. you know, internships as well. Absolutely. So let's – I'm sorry. Let's get back to it. Let's get back to these two games we got. Well, we got two helm, two games, helmets, that we're really paying attention to that are right here. And I, I actually want to talk about a team here in a second, Paul, um, just briefly that could throw a wrench into some Power 5 uh, bowl game issues. I bet I know which one. Uh, you may know which the one worst that the is. First. Are the worst. Uh, really but um, let, let's see here. Let's talk about the Big Ten game here um, first with Penn State and Wisconsin. Uh, I, I think everybody knows that you and I are pulling for Penn State just because we want to see the college football playoff committee squirm. We are, but I love Coach Christ. I think he's cool. Uh, Wisconsin uh, head coach. He's he's really brought the Wisconsin to where they are. Uh, done a really great job with them. But 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 um, I just I just got to say. Penn State, it's kind of kicking it old school. We're really excited about what Penn State can do. I really want Alabama, Penn State to play in the national championship. I think that would be awesome. Uh, that would just be great if that could occur. But but uh, looking at the game, it looks kind of like that, that Penn State will probably win that game. Hopefully they'll win it big. Um, and, and I can't see that far. If you, if you just want me to read that. Oh, I was going to uh, um, Jonathan Jeremy – uh, comment. It's a Tuberville beat Saban at LSU in 2000, 2002, and 2004. So he beat him four times or three times. Three. Fear the hand. Um, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. And, and I'm rooting for Penn State because I want to see what's the college football committee going mm-hmm. to do. Because honestly, you have a scenario where Penn State's beat Ohio State, Ohio State beat Michigan, Michigan beat Penn State, but Penn State wins the. The championship, the championship has to trump it all. Well, we will see. That is something we will see what is going to happen after this weekend. I see the circle of it. I know. Uh, the Michigan killed Penn State. Penn State barely beat Ohio State. But Penn State can barely be a Big Ten champ. Yeah, it's got to be something. With two losses. Yeah. So well, it, if it doesn't, I'm telling you right now, it's about marketing and it's not, it's not about gameplay. Yeah. And the, the, the committee's going to, oh, my goodness. And all they want, uh, the talking heads, they want the eight game. Uh, but I. I thought of another scenario that we might could look at, and that is having six teams go with the top six and let the top one and two have a bye. But the pro- you could, but Kinda I like think that. the problem is, is this. And, and let's be honest, and y'all can sit here and we'll give our opinion. Is it really? Is there really six teams that are deserving? No, but what you do is you get your your power five champions in there. I agree with that. But this year, it never happens. With you four. got Alabama. Maybe Ohio State, and then there's everybody else. I, I just I think that's part of the issue here. It's one, possibly two, and then everybody else. Clemson beats Virginia Tech. Yeah, sorry, they do. And um, but I don't think Clemson beats Ohio State if they play each other. Probably not, just because the defense is stronger. For and Ohio. then you got Washington out there that's sitting there, and they will be there. Are they really? Who basically lost at USC? Who Alabama beat forty nine to six? Yes, fifty two to six and two six. Yes, uh, I know they changed. They're a better team, different quarterback. I get that. Uh, USC has really had a resurgence uh, of who they are, um, but um, the committee doesn't give them a whole lot of credit. No, they're, not at they're all. not in top ten. <laughs> no, not at all. So, and, and Jerry Elder is talking about what about Colorado, West Virginia, that's uh, or, West, or Western Michigan? No, 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 no. I'm talking about the the issue that I read the other day that could be that messes up the Power Five bowl games. Navy, if Navy wins, yeah. it messes it up. Love but, it, but you won't know because they have to play a game. What's the next week? They don't play yeah. until next week. So some of these bowl matchups and these Power Five games Army. are still going to be messed up. They have to wait and see what well, is Navy going to do. Uh, Navy's what right number. 
what, 20? It's something of – there, there's some way that it can pull out, though, because really? it's a record. Yes. Why does anybody care if number 21 in the nation wins a game? They're going to beat all – But there's part of know, that agreement Army. that they made with this college football playoff committee that if, if a non-Power 5 conference was in, ranked within a certain point, they get a game. Huh. They get a major bowl game. That would be cool. So it, it will be, it'll be interesting um, how all that uh, will play out. Then we've got the second game that uh, I know – you know, everybody's going to pay attention to. Um, nobody's giving Florida any chance in this game. I mean, I'm a diehard Sorry, Florida fan, and I'm not giving Florida any chance in this game. When your your injured list is resemblance of a pretty good team. But either way, first quarter, it's going to be tied. It's going to take – I, I, I'm sorry. They'll probably do more against Florida than they did against Auburn. But I still think Alabama's going to take a while to get into it. Uh, I'm glad Thomas Smith joined in and said that. Oh, uh, he's just glad that I've learned to read. That's good. Yeah, Colin's life has helped me out a lot there, Thomas. Um, <laughs> I love that guy. <laughs> uh, so it, it's all good. Um, it, it is. I, I really don't see any way Florida – I think it's going to be like the FSU game. It's going to be something like that. Auburn will have a game like they did uh, – Alabama will have a game like they did against Auburn. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so you're looking at a 31-13 kind of thing? Yeah, I, I think that's uh, – So you don't think that Alabama covers – 24 points, John. You're a Gator fan. There's no way you think they cover. No, they don't cover. Okay. I didn't think so. They don't cover. Because we may be getting a couple people back, but still, they cover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they that's, that's what we talk about here. If Alabama will cover. Alabama will cover. Alabama, Florida jerseys? No. Alabama will cover. <laughs> you said they won't. I'm, I'm doing anything to get him in a crimson jersey. What can I do? I'm no, trying. I did that I'm last trying. year. It was bad enough of an end. It was awesome. Um, it was a great day. Weekend ends. Top four. Oh, um, me. Wobby first. Uh, Alabama's number one. Clemson's number two. Um, Why do you think Clemson number two? Do you think they, they get a championship? Because they get a championship. They win a championship. Ohio State doesn't. Uh, Clemson number two. Um, I'm going to say Washington loses to Colorado. Ooh. And I'm going to say Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Penn State. Wow. Three. Stepping out there. Wow. Two big teams. Two big ten teams. Yeah. I think, I mean, when this first started, they were talking about the SEC would have two in there. And, and until Mississippi State finally played Alabama, they were winning. So, so. The, the, it's not out of the realm of possibility for that to happen. Washington loses; they're definitely out. Sure, uh, but Michigan has no has no championship, and, and Penn State does. And to be fair, if we're going to be fair, Ohio State's out. Michigan's in with Penn State. Yeah, you know, because yeah. it was a closer game. And I, but but that's why. I, okay, let me ask you this: though. Do you throw Western Michigan in there? Oh no, not in the top four. You don't think so? No. Okay. I think I think they get destroyed heavily. Do you throw Choice State in there? Even worse, even worse. <laughs> Although I think Troy State's getting um, uh, the uh, the uh, Montgomery uh, bowl game, the Chameleon that'd Bowl. Be cool. yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah, be cool. A lot of folks love to watch that. Come and watch them play that one out. Uh-huh. So it'll be interesting. I, I think you're right. I think you got Alabama. Alabama's clear cut number one. Um, I think I agree with you with Clemson jumping Ohio State mm-hmm. based on the that fact reason. that right. they have that. I, and another reason why. And look, I'm sorry. I think there is. I'm not being conspiracy theorist on this. Whatever. The the big wigs and the money dealers want Alabama, Ohio State playing each other. Yep. 
or rematch. The challenge, I think, will be this, though. If you jump Clemson and if Penn State gets put in, say Washington loses and Penn State gets put in, do you really put Penn State versus Ohio State again in the first semifinal game? Well, you wouldn't. And they play Alabama. If Penn State's number four. Oh, that's right. That's yeah, they, right. They, that's they how it works. They play Alabama. Um, that would still be cool. That would be awesome. And I could see them doing that. Yeah. I can see them doing that. So it, it'll be interesting. It'll see. It'll be interesting how this we can That's what I out. want to happen. It's going to be what it is. It, nothing's going to change. Yeah. It, it's <laughs> you know, yeah. It, I mean, if it doesn't change, Bedlam, I mean, it, it's um, havoc will, will arrive. Speaking of havoc. Havoc. Hockey game, first night of first exposure night of this year. What a, what a segue <laughs> into the show. That's awesome. You did great. Well, you did great. We, do, we are glad that you joined in today. We had a lot of people comment, a lot of people call in. Thanks great for show. making this the first uh, call-in live show that we've tried. Um, you know, we'll be getting better at this and working with uh, people um, and trying to figure out how we can get your phone calls in and, and comments in. Thank you for joining us today. Um, Paul, uh, exposure shuts down in three days. Three days. So uh, Register. Register. Registration shuts down in three days, so please just register. And um, Paul, do you got anything else? I'm good. For Paul Sperlin, I am John Podine. Thank you for joining the, the John and Paul show, and we will see you next time.